Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. This week I have something a little different. I'm cross-posting an episode of the Misio Day podcast from a couple of months ago about the book of Job. I was the guest, and Jonathan Fessenden was the host. He's a true friend of the Almost Good Catholics podcast and has been my guest a couple of times to talk about movies. And on this occasion, April 13, 2023, he invited me to talk about Job, an extremely interesting and very old book of the Bible. To take our shot at the timeless question, why do bad things happen to good people? I will link to the original YouTube video of Missio Day below. And now, here's the slightly abridged audio discussion on Almost Good Catholics. So well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad we are, you know, talking a little bit. Our discussion today is on the book of Job. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, when when did you first start reading the book of Job? Do you remember by any chance? I don't remember. Um, you know, I, I was in the Peace Corps in 2002 to 2004, and I read more in those two years than I read in all my education put together, including the Bible. I just read lots and lots. And I definitely remember reading Job and just scratching my head about mm. it and as a 25 year old not really not really understanding what the heck was going on and re- re- finding you know sharing job's problem why do bad things happen to good people mm. and sharing the i mean he, he ended it beautifully but i was still confused about god's answer which did not answer uh <laughs> why bad things happen to good people um and so that's always been one i i've enjoyed a lot and uh and I love talking about it. I love thinking about it. It's just a very, very beautiful ancient poem as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, that it's a poem as well. It's, I believe, breaks into three uh, sections of the poem, right? Yeah, three yeah. different parts, prologue, uh, dialogue, and uh, the epilogue. Yes. And yeah. I, I just wanted to say, I remember I got in this book a little later, and you being the historian, uh, probably know a pretty good amount about the history of it. Now, what I was going to say is when I was reading it a little late, oh, a few years ago, I was actually in, in Florida where my parents live, and I was reading it on, on vacation there. Mm-hmm. I had read it when I was younger, but like you said, I don't think a lot of it <clears throat> resonated with me. But wow, the, the, the more I read it now, the more, like you had said, the question of why, why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, exactly. Right. So Job is a patriarch 
living a very happy and successful life. He has 10 kids. He has seven sons and three daughters. He has, he's very wealthy, you know, for an ancient pastoral person with, oh, so many thousands of camels and so many thousands of sheep and so many yokes of oxen. He's rich. And he's rich. He's got, he's got it going on and his children are happy. You know, they, they feast together. They just visit each other and have parties and his children love each other and they love him. And he, because this is before, um, this is back when we were still before the temple, right? This is long ago, one of the oldest books of the Bible. Um, he's making sacrifices for them out, out wherever he lives in the land of Uz. And so he's often making sacrifices for them just in case they sin, just in case they sin against the Lord. So he's very devout, very pious, very God-fearing man, filled with gratitude and appreciation. And so one day in the court of heaven, this is like the second half of the first chapter, the Satan, and this is the Satan, the yeah. accuser. He's a, like with a lowercase s. The Satan shows up and says, The accuser. Yeah, the accuser shows up and God says, have you considered my servant Job? Right. Satan doesn't bring him up. Mm. God, God, God says, "Have you considered my servant Job? Is there, a, you know, who he is blameless?" Um, God says that explicitly, and Satan says, "Oh yeah, well, he's a fair weather friend. God, he's he's he he's grateful because he has everything." So God sort of makes a bet with, say, the Satan, uh, take away all his stuff and see what happens. So God's permitting Job to be tested here, right? Yes. Yes, and so, in one terrible day, everything vanishes. Right, the uh, the Chaldeans attack, and the somebody else attacks, and a, a wind comes out of heaven, and fire falls out of the sky, and he loses all his animals, and all his kids die, are killed. Their house collapses. Yes. Yeah. Right, and then so clearly it impacts more than just Job. Uh, it impacts his his kids, his 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 wife, and so on. And his, uh, does his yeah. wife remind me, um, his wife starts to lose some faith, right? Yeah, she loses, she, she loses, she has one line, I think. And and hers is like, this is ridiculous. She says something like, uh, just, what are you doing? Just curse God and die, <laughs> right? And he says to her, rebukes her very patiently, you speak like a foolish woman. He doesn't say you're, you are foolish. He says, you speak like one of the foolish women. How can we accept uh only good things from God without accepting bad things from God at the same time. So he, so, you know, but she just lost all 10 of her kids whom she carried in, in her womb and, and nursed and raised. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I can't kind of blame her for that comment. Right. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I've, you know, well, a little earlier in my life or not too long ago, I don't use, I don't have this problem as much now, but I've argued with God quite a few times. <laughs> you yeah. Know, thank God he's always good. Thank, thank God. Thank he, God. Amen. 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 No, and I, I've, Get that's one of the, the things I wanted to say that I, you know, as, as I knew we were going to talk about this, I've been listening to other people talk about it, I've been reading here and there, but yeah. I haven't heard anyone say, and I, I just want to say, like, I think God encourages it. You know, God, yeah, God loves. It when we in a in a in an in a filial aspect say like what are you doing you know he doesn't he doesn't we just had this uh, um, maybe it was in the daily readings or maybe I just read it I'm not sure um, where Abraham is arguing I think I was just reading it uh, arguing for Sodom 
uh, and he's like, okay, if I can find this many righteous people, if I can find this 50, then 40, right? How, what if there's 30 righteous people? And God doesn't say like, I've made up my mind. Like God could be persuaded by, by Abraham to, you know, to, to go easy on the people of Sodom. I am actually uh, glad you brought that point up because you know what? It really makes me think about what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in our terms, too, of understanding earthly relationships, but even how our relationship is with God. I mean, you're really, you really have fights with people you love a lot of times, right? Yes, yes. And they really do see your true colors. And I, this is, again, where we have to, with, 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 with God, we have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be perfect. I mean, we're definitely not perfect. You know? Yeah. Another one is um, where Moses and God are, are in the desert and the stiff-necked Hebrews are, you know, neglect, are moaning for the, you know, the, the flesh pots of Egypt or something. And, 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 and God says, like, I, I, I'm, I've had it with the stiff-necked people. Yeah. And Moses says, like, oh, come on, let, let this one more time, let one more chance. And it's almost like they take turns. Sometimes Moses has had it and God supports him and sometimes... God has had it and Moses intercedes. And then finally, we just had this because it's Easter week. We just had it when when Jesus, the son of God says, take this, take this cup from me, but your will be done. Right. So, so that's the, that's the, he's the model. He's the, he's the perfecter and, and pioneer of our faith. We, we must imitate Christ in all things, but there's a guy who is God, who is literally the son of God. And he's negotiating, and he didn't get his way, not this time. Right. Yeah. But again, he said, thy will be done, which is where I think Job lands after a lot, after 42 chapters of just some fantastically lyrical lamentation. Is that how many chapters is in Job? Yeah, it's 40. I think it's 42. I have it right here. Let me just tell you. are right. Yeah, 42. The epilogues for Job. last chapters, Job, Job's restoration. Yeah. There is a, we won't jump to the end there, but you know, yes, there is a a, a restoration period. Yeah, um, I don't. I, maybe I can add this other point in case I forget it, because if I don't say that, I forget things. Well, you and I are both teachers, and you know, we're in the third quarter. It's April. Kids are, <laughs> kids are noticing their bad grades, and they're coming and they're saying, "Look, I need to make up some assignments." And my, you know, some of my kids, I, I teach all from ninth to twelfth grade, but the ninth graders, they're just learning how to be high school kids. And some of them have been flaking and not doing their work. And until in ninth grade, you sort of get socially promoted with your class no matter what. And once you're in ninth grade, it turns out you have to do the work. And so they're coming, you know, to negotiate, to enter, to ask for dispensation, to ask for an extra assignment or, or you know, please don't mark this down so much. I know it's super late. And I, I hear those things because I'm like, well, my goal isn't that I need this many colorful maps of India or this many essays about um a movie that we all watch. What I really need is you to learn how to be a student and you to build the habits that will make you into a successful person as you move on. And so I think we understand this as teachers that, you know, for from the kids' point of view, everything is always the same. I have to do the same work as everybody. They're really interested in equality. I don't know if you guys say this because uh, I know you work in a Catholic school, but in our public school, everything is um, equity versus equality. That's the buzzword of the season. <laughs> and so we're we're trying to, be equitable in the sense of like, what, what can I give this kid 
it's not the same as that kid, but what that kid needs. And I think God has that, you know, kind of like the parable of the guys working in the vineyard. Yeah. This guy worked from nine o'clock. This guy worked from 4 p.m., but they're both going to pass. They're both going to be rewarded. Um, and so we, I think we understand that attitude because of our, of our teaching profession. Oh, yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, that was a good point, too. Glad you brought that up. Don't want you to forget it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what happens next? Uh, um, suffering. More yeah. suffering and suffering. <laughs> right. So to his great credit, Job says beautifully, naked I came into the world, naked I shall leave it. Blessed be, no, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. Right. So, um Oh, there's a, sorry about the airplane. That's the problem being outside. Oh, no, no, no. I, I can't yeah. even really hear it. But Okay, yeah. good, good. Um, and he doesn't curse God at all. Uh, and then God says, see, Satan? And Satan says, well, that's because you took his stuff skin for skin, right? That's that's the skin for skin is what he says. I'm not even sure what that means. The notes in my Catholic Bible say, like, this is a mysterious quotation. Like, this is a mysterious saying. Um, but skin for skin, like, what you really care about is when your own neck is on the line uh you know kind of like you'll sacrifice everything until you're in jeopardy my a horse a horse my kingdom for a horse kind of a thing yeah. which i think is true i think it's true like we're always like even the death of his children which is shocking because we often think of um you know like that's that's that for us that would be the thing but absolutely but otherwise i think like okay so now i'm poor okay so now i have no sheep so, well, you know, and what's really interesting here, which if I can jump into this a little bit, Please. his friends, people view this as, well, Job must be sinning, right? That's what, and, and that was the, the very Hebrew, right? This would be the very uh, Hebrew belief that if, if bad things are happening in someone's life, they've done something wrong to God. Yes. What I think it's so beautiful about this book, and as you said earlier, I mean, I, I understood this to be, you know, from my research, the first book, the oldest book of the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what I find very interesting here is it's addressing the question about why, again, bad things happen to good people. For the Hebrew understanding at this particular time period is, well, it has to be because you're in sin. And in all honesty, I think we've carried a little bit of that tradition even in today's culture, right? Some of us, things happen to us for, well, we don't know the bigger reasons why a lot of these things happen, right? Right. No, absolutely. I think that's the core of the book. It doesn't, like you say, get specific of why this necessarily had to happen. And uh, yeah, but Job's three friends think that he must have sinned. And, and Job's pretty... Uh, pretty confident saying, well, he wouldn't say that he's free from sin, right? It, he kind of maintains that his suffering is for some reason. Right. So, exactly. So, so he, Satan strikes him physically, and he is covered in sores, and he's sitting on a dust heap, scratching right. himself with a shard of pottery. So he's a miserable, seems like like poison oak times 10 million is what he's got. Mm -hmm. And along come his friends and sit with him. And as many people have said, including Bishop Barron, this is the best thing they do is they sit quietly with him for a week. They just come, come beside him in his, in his grief and they don't say anything. 
But after a week, enough is enough, and they start talking, and they're like, "Okay, so what'd you do?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, right. but that's that takes them a while. First, they say like, you know, just bless the. We we know that uh, you are a good guy. We know that you've supported many other people. We know that you take care of the widows and orphans. So, but when he, but as Job continues saying like, "But I've done nothing. I, I've I've done everything correctly," which we even know that God said so. Like we know that God said so, but his friends don't know that God said so. Then after a while, they start saying, "Yeah, but." Really, you did something, right? <laughs> because God, because God does not punish the innocent, right? By definition, our understanding is that God only punishes the guilty, and uh, um, but suffering, I, you know, can can be from a loving place. Yeah, come right. from a loving place. I mean, suffering. Uh, I mean, I look back to some of my past, of course, and say, "Oh man, that really, that really got me to return to Catholicism, mm -hmm. Catholic faith." A lot of the mistakes I made and some of the things that I believe God even, you know, allowed me to be put through. Yes. And I, I think that's such a good point. I think that's that's sort of the story, too, is he was tested because he could handle it. Uh, you know, we that's a saying, isn't it, that God only gives you the challenges you you, you could face? Well, you know... I, I, I sometimes wonder about that. I kind of have a new a new understanding of this. And mine, of course, and you probably agree with me, is, well, careful what you pray for. If you're praying mm -hmm. for strength, see, I realize this now, all the years I prayed for strength. Well, what's the only way to really become strong? Good point. Suffering. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, like, let's just say, let's make an analogy here of going to the gym. Yeah. If you're going to build muscles, how, what are you going to do? You're going to have to work out. You're going to have to be sore. Your body physically is going to be sore. Spiritually, yeah. I think when we ask for strength, the only way God in my, I shouldn't say the only way, let me back that up. I think one of the main ways God builds strength for the individual spirit is of course, by giving you those challenges. And then you become stronger to be able to handle those challenges, right? Being in positions and places um, I think we talked a few about a few of these things off yeah. the about yeah. the challenge because we both have in, in our teaching jobs, right? Mm -hmm. and, and how it's it's pastoral in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. So uh, careful what you pray for. You want strength, uh, you might have to go through some suffering to get it. <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, I, and the other thing is like, as a teacher, you're not that familiar. You know, you, each student gets different treatment. Okay, they don't really understand that. Uh, we are responsive to their many petitions. We respond to their petitions and, and so on. Yeah. But with your own children, which is what we are to God, it's like, we're like, no, you don't, you're, you're going to do, you're going to do the hard work because I want the kid to be a good adult. So even if they're like, come on, can I please this time? Can I just not have the penalty? Can I please? you know, watch the TV show or go to the party. And like, no, you did the wrong thing. And now you have to have the consequence. And I'm doing this because I know that I want you to be a, a better person. So this perhaps is what, perhaps this planet, this world is the gym. Perhaps this is where we are becoming. I think so. I think with our free will, right? And our, yeah. And if God were intervening all the time, if, if you know, like when we imagine God is silent, if he always piped up there, well, where would be the test? Where would be the, Right, God works through people so that we can't see Him uh, all the time, so that we have to work on faith. 
and 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 we have to remember god doesn't abandon the sufferer either right Mm -hmm. this is right this is important we have the suffering but god's still there for us and i think that does go in line with what you're saying he won't give you more than you can handle because he's because he's there yeah that's that's right and you know I can't imagine losing all my kids in a windstorm, as Job did. However, for those kids, they were crushed instantaneously, and they found themselves in heaven. The pain. A little bit how 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 this book of Job is relative to as you're a father. Yeah, no, yeah. it's really interesting because um, one of my really interesting uh, interviews that I enjoyed last year was talking to a Sandy Hook uh, mom, a mom who whose children were at that school and. She was talking about a friend of hers who's a Protestant woman, very faithful Christian, whose six-year-old was shot and killed. And that woman said to this woman, uh, you you know what? I had this kid for six years. She was with me every day. She's with me now, and now she's with God, and I'll see her again. I didn't miss miss a beat. Had faith that, that was so inspiring and so beautiful. And that's, you know, we're getting to the age where soon... Our parents in that generation will slight will start to go home, and I just I just keep telling my kids like they're they're going home, and you're going to see them again. And uh, yeah, that's that's, a, that's so true. Yeah. So the tragedy for Job is, of course, if you believe that, if you are a you know a, a Christian or a Jew and you believe that, then the tragedy for him is the separation, which is for the rest of his current lifetime, but is not permanent. So if you believe that, if you believe in eternal life and and the resurrection. Then really your suffering has to do with, it's like somebody went on a trip. It's like yeah. you had to, you know, you had to go to the other side of the world for a year, but I'll see you. I'll see you later. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, very good points here. So, Easy for us to say, having never been tested and <laughs> please yeah. Lord, I, I don't need that. I don't need that. Well, I don't mind. A, a little bit, uh, you know, I've been through a lot lately, so it's nice to have a little re- reprieve, yeah. uh, you know, balance here for, for, for some time. So the friends, when do the friends in the book start to, uh, his three friends? Yeah, so there's three friends, and um, they're, I have their names here. Uh, they start to... Uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, I, and Zophar. Yeah, Zophar. Uh, there's a fourth fellow shows up at the very end named Elihu or Elihu who says he's very young and he was waiting. So I think that reveals that there is a deference of age, you know, in this traditional culture. So we can assume, I think, that Eliphaz, who speaks first, is the oldest. And then we can assume that Bildad, who speaks second, is probably the youngest. He also speaks three times. And then Zophar only speaks twice. And so he's probably the youngest. He's kind of a hothead. He just comes out swinging and saying, okay, Job, what'd you do? Clearly, clearly you've sinned. God does, you know, and 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 yeah. so it kind of degenerates. First, they're first they're very patient and encouraging, but as Job insists that he is blameless, they start saying like, "Who are you kidding? Uh, clearly, you did something." And and then they're really talking past each other for much of the book, where they just repeat the same arguments. And Job finds himself saying, "I can't talk to you guys. You guys aren't listening. The only person I can talk to is God. I want to confront God in a court." In sort of like a courtroom scene where I can make my case, and he can, and he can, um, you know, re- recognize my my rightful claim. Right. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, yeah. So, tell me a little more. Then, so it, you know, the friends uh, do the for the people that have maybe not read the book out there, and hopefully, everyone's gonna 
definitely dig into the to the book of Job. So good. You got to you just got to read it. And I think read it in small portions because it's you know, this is an oral tradition. This is when people couldn't read. And so I think, you know, the learned folks or perhaps the, you know, the the village uh, orator, you know, the sort of the the storyteller would would read, would tell part of it. And it's, you know, there's not much of a narrator. It's either Job talking or his three friends talking or Elihu talking and finally God talking. The only place there's a, a narrator is the very beginning and the very end, which I think you correctly said are prologues and epilogues. The rest is just speeches speeches take ter- taking turns spe- speaking so read me a couple of those yeah. though yeah so here's here's job making his case to god i will carry my flesh between my teeth and i'll take my life in my hand slay me though he might i will wait for him i will defend my conduct before him this shall be my salvation no impious man can come into his presence pay close attention to my speech give statement give my statement a hearing Behold, I prepared my case. I know that I am right. Right. If anyone can make a case against me, then I shall be silent and expire. Eliphaz, I think the oldest and wisest, um, retorts, are the consolations of God not good enough for you and any speech that deals gently with you? Why does your heart carry you away? And why do your eyes flash so that you turn your anger against God? Right. Then Bildad, who's a little less courteous, says, truly the light of the wicked is extinguished. The flame of his fire casts no light. In his tent, light is darkness. The lamp above him goes out. And there's a lot of metaphors because this is, you know, they don't have so much scientific language. So a lot of it is like when, you, when you're when you comparing your life to a, to a, to a plant or, a, you know, the papyrus growing in the mire or a tent stake being pulled out. So it's, 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 really, it's really great in, in, that, in that one. Um, and then this build that continues, you know, talking about the wicked man, um, uh, how a snare lays a hold of him. A noose is hidden for him on the ground, a netting for him on the path. On <laughs> every side, terrors frighten him and harry him at each step. His strength is famished. Disaster is ready at his side. His skin is eaten to the limbs. His firstborn of death eats his limbs. He's plucked from the security of his tent. He is marched off to the king of terrors. On and on they go. And I think we have to read the God's response. Yes, please. Because all this time he has been asking for one thing, which is let God hear me. So God's been listening. Mm-hmm. And then Alihu's reset, like this fourth young fellow, summarizes everything everybody said just to get, bring it all to mind. And then pow, God speaks out of the, the whirlwind. And um, yeah, please. Yeah. Please okay. Find me on this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? And when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut in the seas with doors when it was burst when it burst forth from the womb and I made the clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It's changed like clay under the seal and it is dyed like a garment. 
From the wicked, their light is withheld, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you com comprehended the expanse of the earth and declare all this if you know, right? So that's like a third of God's speech. Yeah. <laughs> this is chapter 38. I was just reading along with you on that. Uh, I had that opened. Yeah. And he goes on and on and he enumerates yeah. all the wonders. These are this. Were you there when I did this with the, stars? Yeah. For, the for the ravens when their young ones cry out to God and they rove abroad without food? Yes. Yeah, so many. Right. And that one's especially mysterious to me because, OK, so I understand that he made mountains and trees, but who feeds the ravens? That's not a thing I think about. Oh, well. You know, these with these birds of carrion, these scavengers get enough food. God, who changes, doesn't, you know, who knows if, if one or two sparrows dies or if my hair turns white. He knows. I know. That these ravens the or, or everything else, right? Vultures. He knows the sweetness of the of, of a dead animal in the beak of a vulture. Things that I find disgusting and unknowable. He he knows it all. Right. And he's so sarcastic. God is. He says, like, surely, yeah. you know, Job. Clearly, you were here when I laid the foundations of the ocean. Why don't this you speak really, up, Joe? <laughs> this is really the main point of the book, too, right? Yeah. Absolutely. How, how would you summarize this, like the, this particular section? What would you really say that the message is really trying to uh, see? I would say two, two very interesting things. One is that we know so little. It's almost like if you and I... Yeah, we're goldfish living in this house and there was a human being who went to work and then you and I start arguing about what that guy is doing at work, yep. right? We kind of know there's a human because he appears and gives us food every day, but we have no idea what his world is like and where he goes when he's not with us and when he where he is when he's not giving us fish food. But <laughs> still, I have an opinion. I like about, it. I right? the analogy, yeah. And so God is just like saying like, okay, let me let me catch you up, sport. You... You really have no idea how interesting and intricate and expansive this world is. Maybe our curse is that we are so we're smart enough to imagine things, but not really not smart enough to know. Um, so there's one thing there, and the second theme that I that really struck out to me is how much of this is about God taming the scary world. Right? We are frightened of the ocean if we live in ancient times. We are, he, the last thing he talks about is these two monsters, the Leviathan and the behemoth. And um, some people think that's a crocodile and a hippo. Some people think they're dragons. Some people think they're, you know, imagined from some dinosaur bones that somebody found out and said like, what is that? Right. So Leviathan is, is usually a sea monster and behemoth is usually like a land monster or something. But, you know, he says like, can you tame, can you, can you grab the Le Leviathan and can you, you know, catch him on a fish hook? And can you tie him up and lead him around on a string and give him as a pet to your daughters, right? That sort of thing, like if you've you've seen kids with their with their pets or or like those 19th century women in Paris who were like with a monkey on a string sort of a thing. Like mm. the most frightening thing in this world for us is, is, a, is a play thing for God and knows his authority, as, you know, in a way that we humans perhaps because we're more like God and have so much will and creativity of our own, we forget and we, we forget, we forget and we ignore 
his authority. So the idea that you could tame this Leviathan, um, as as I was asking my 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 wife uh, and kids at dinner if they could think of examples from literature or movies or something where you know a hero comes along and there's something very scary and he tames it and now he was terrified at the beginning but now it's his servant and the ones we came up with is like there's that red bird in avatar for the blue people and like the hero can fly it yeah. or we were watching um mandalorian and boba fett is able to t tame the rancor you know and ride it around uh, like a as but, yeah. yeah so like there's there's these things in um in in i think it's like a you know a trope in literature uh, like or the luck dragon in never ending story uh, where the boy bastion flies around on the luck dragon and you yeah. know it's first is scary but then it's just tremendously powerful um and so i sort of feel like the world is scary if you don't understand it but if you understand that god is in charge right like mm. obviously like if god is aslan then you're lucy right he's not a tame dragon uh so tame lion he's not a tame lion but you are safe and you are safe with him in charge or if god is mufasa then you're simba right ah. you're 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 like a little guy right. but there's nobody that god loves more more than you right and and he he has everything on us on a string like a sea monster or he knows everything that's going to happen he knows the days he knows you know he knows the days of our lives when he knits us in the wound he mm. knows when i'm going to die of cancer or which beloved person to me is going to die in a car accident or you know what what other horrible thing or who who i love who's going to become addicted to something and you know or die of another disease like every tragedy in this little world is known to him and my job is to say as jesus did in the garden you know please take this cup from me but thy will be done because this is this this death is not death right not for us and god can switch that the wild becomes the tame and the death becomes birth and uh, pride becomes humbled and humility becomes glorified right the last shall be first and the first shall be last and i it took me to be you know it took me to be this old to get that from this book like i i, had, I couldn't i couldn't see that when i was 25 now i'm 45 and so i for me it's a, no wonder it's such a powerful uh you know this 3000 year old piece of literature speaks to us in 2023 absolutely i mean i get it and thank you you did some really great you know um evaluation on this you know have no problem with the world of science but i do see the world of science as a very ego very ego driven in a lot of ways right like it's just oh this is everything this is the answer and this is what i love and look at there, there's that line i believe in chapter 38 where i got where god says he puts wisdom in the heart i can't remember exactly but i think he says something like that right and i i know it's very hard for uh, I got it. Who has put wisdom in the clouds or given understanding to the mists? Who can number the clouds by wisdom or who can tilt water skins skins at the heaven? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I'm just very humble by the fact I know that God is real and that I'm, 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 I'm very small here. Yeah. I have. Yeah. So human intelligence you know but it's nothing on the grand scale of what you know god is obviously i mean and 
so what I really take from that is, yeah, you know, we're really, God's really speaking to Job here. You know, very, I mean, I know it, it, some of it sounds very harsh, but it's also very loving too, you know. It's just yeah. a, a reminder. And I don't know. I, mean, absolutely, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Like a father, as we're, we're talking about here, you know, as you being a father, talking to your do you have just sons or sons and daughters? Uh, uh, three girls and one boy. Oh wow, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, they're, they're lovely, and, I, and 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 so oh, that's the other thing. Like, yeah. my remember my father telling me when he, that when I had kids, he said like, I didn't understand how much God loves us until I had children, right? Mm -hmm. And now that I have children, okay, so like you know, okay, so I'm a sinner. I did these things. I fell for this temptation. I messed up in this way. I did that selfish and short sighted thing. Sure. But that's the way I feel about my kids if they're picking their nose. Right? <laughs> don't do that, you know, don't do that, please. But yeah. no, ne never will I say I smite you and cast you into the place right. of right. wailing and grinding of teeth. And C.S. Lewis makes that point. Like every every horrible sin in humans' eyes is a toddler stumbling while he tries to do something stupid in God's eyes. Right? <laughs> so and so before I judge you for your sins, I don't know where you, what you've been up against. And, you know, the 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 drug addict on the street or the person who's so rude to me, you know, everybody's having their own battle, as I'm sure you've heard people say. So we just got to try to see them with God's eyes. And then, then we can be those hands that ministering, ministering ministers of grace. And that's the gospel. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I want to read a, a one, one last thing. Yeah. For that resonated to me, you know, with this, you know, with New Testament, the Old Testament. That's um, a really important point. Yes, please do. And, you know, Matthew, of course, really, the, I think this is really significant, the very famous uh, chapter 16, where he says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And forfeits his own soul. I think this is a big aspect of this story as well. Yeah. Amen. No, and uh God then chastises the three friends <laughs> and yeah. and says, like, only Job is my faithful servant, right? Well, he's carried the cross, which we have to do. And there's victory. So take us into the epilogue then, which is really okay. Okay, we've we've really had suffering now, right? Yeah. Do we ever have, you know, this is for like uh, some of my uh, friends out there and family members that maybe might be watching. Hey, you know, look at there is a happy ending. Yeah. So let's see here. I'm going to um, 42, right? The very, very end. Yeah. Yeah. The very last chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Then Job answered the Lord. I know that thou canst do all things and that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful to me, too, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Herein I will speak. I will question you and you declare to me. I had heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes." And then Job's, and then the very last thing, and the Lord had spoken these words to Job. The Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. 
Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourself a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Nemanite went and did what the Lord had told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job, and when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before, then came to him all his brothers and sisters, and all who had known him before, and ate bread with him in his house, and they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil God had brought upon him, and each of them had placed a piece of money and a ring of gold. And so then he gets way more animals and, and way more um, uh, yeah. beasts, and he gets 10 replacement kids, which is weird, because... Oh, was it 10? I thought it was 11. Oh, I thought he got like, he has 10 kids, but I just want to make the point that those first 10 kids are with God and he'll see them again. He just has 10 additional kids. And then there's a really curious thing, which I don't understand. They only tell us the name of the three daughters, which is so different from the Bible. Usually you hear so-and-so had this son and that son and this son and three daughters, but here yeah. his daughters are named, his sons are not. And then Job, Job lives to be full of days. <laughs> And I wonder if, uh, you know, I, I had read that because the book of Job is so old, some of the um, writing is actually not even trans being able to be translated. I've heard that, too, by Hebrew scholars who talk about it. And they're like, well, we're just we're just guessing language, it's poetry. Yeah. The language is so far removed. Right. Yeah. I, I wish I knew more Hebrew. But I, I don't. I'd like to definitely to, to uh, take some lessons and learn that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really take from this that, you know, God ultimately does reward a vir virtue. I mean, he rewards the virtuous Job, right? Yeah. But I think the big reward is that God talked to him face to face. And that's a rare thing. That you got to be Moses for that, right? Yeah, and, and Job is Job is among those 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 people. There's not a lot, you know. Yes, yes, yes. This book opens up a lot of different areas of, I, I mean, I like you had said earlier, I, I cannot believe how relevant after all these thousands of years, this book is still. Yeah, well, and then the, 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 there's two lessons for us is one, be humble. Yeah. And two is stop talking so much. <laughs> which is a hard lesson for podcasters like us. <laughs> but <laughs> it's been a struggle my whole life. Yeah. But time. but he, there's a couple of places where he, where he's like just be quiet. And both his friends tell him and then he says then I will be silent and then at the end is like just be quiet. You don't know. What do you know? You don't know. Just, That's just, just, you, you reminded yeah. me of that too. You know, I went on I I, I was going and I'm, I this is the probably the first year I haven't done it, but every year I try to go to a um a monastery. Oh, for, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, silent monastery, Catholic monastery, there's some nice ones I was going to in California a lot. And I remember the one I went to, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but anyways, it's so funny when I finally, you, you have, you can't use your phones, you don't get any kind of self-service, right? All you have are books, no one can contact you. It's great. It's like freedom. Yeah. In in the way that, you know, we're we're like I don't know if you read the article from my friend Judson today on Mister Day. You know, returning to nature. It's really getting connected with God a lot through these things. But I remember 
being in this in the church and praying and where you just be silent silent for quite a while and you know what i heard in my mind was exactly what you just said Job. like finally you stop <laughs> talking <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, and literally like i heard that like yeah i'm sorry yeah absolutely oh it's, so it's, are you gonna let me speak now yeah yeah and exactly. that's something I want to encourage the people that are watching this to say, you know, this is the relationship too. Getting silent and listening to God, it, it takes disconnecting out of, you know, a lot of what this world is distracting us in every day. Mm -hmm. You know, that news hits you in the morning or the media, every turn, man, we are getting distracted. So um, that's my encouragement of the day. It's so wise. And this is so many, you know, teachers say this, you know, Bishop Barron says this, have a, have a holy hour before you check your email, before you look yes. at blah, 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 you know? I've been doing that a lot lately too, you know? Good for you. So I I'm, need to... I'm trying. I mean, I turned off the majority of my social media stuff. I, you know, I, I just, we did it during, as I told you, I think on the last pod podcast when, when I started Exodus with a few of my... Yes. Uh, I, and I, it's funny because I just came out of it and I'm already, I'm kind of missing a little bit of the duty and, and the sacrifice of, you know, I'm already falling into some habits here, right? It's like I'm eating between meals a little bit where I wasn't, and you know. Yeah. Right. Fasting and feasting. You need them both. Yeah, yeah you one, do. One may stay there. And I think I'm going to be inspired by your example and I'm I'm going to do more just quiet prayer where i just listen maybe when i walk my dog i won't i won't listen to a podcast i've have we have the luxury of having instant communication instant entertainment anywhere all the time which is a great blessing but there's a cost to it which is we don't have time to get bored to get quiet and to, to, to listen it, it's so important you know i was even telling my kids today who wants to not talk for five minutes they actually like the challenge <laughs> you know what yeah like, oh, I don't think you can. Oh, yeah, let's do this. Come on. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, I mean, look, me and you are very similar in the fact of, look, I know that you like to listen to things just like me for education. And I'm always feeling that like there's so much more to learn all the time, right? And even yeah. that, it's like, Joe reminds me here too. Look, at this was not the most educated man in the world. And I love the very simple-hearted Christians and or, or religious people here will say that just are, are really, they have that connection with God. They don't do not have to be a high-level theologian to have this connection. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Who are all our people? They are all fishermen, carpenters. Paul is a tent maker. Yeah. No, actually, no, he's a Pharisee. Sorry, Paul's different. But the rest of them are, are, are simple guys who work with their hands and God chose them. And yeah, uh, yeah. amen. That's a great, that's a great conclusion. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, it was great having you on here. Um, what a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I always like our talks. It's great. Yeah. Uh, hope you have a great week. Let's, I'm going to end in prayer. Uh, do you want to say a prayer? Sure. Uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for this time for two friends to talk. Thank you, Lord, for the people who have 
who are sharing this with us, who many whom we haven't met and all over the world. We pray for all these good people. We pray for their faith, for their to for them to approach you, to hear your voice today, and that if we should hear your voice today, harden not our hearts. We pray for our families. We pray for this world. Please guide us all back to you. Help us listen for your voice in the wilderness. Help us build, grow in faith and grow closer to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Chris, can't, again, thank you so much for being on here. And if, if 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 you guys made it to the end of the video, hey, thank you. Yeah. Definitely follow Chris on his uh, Spotify. It's uh, almost good Catholics. It's Spotify. It's on uh, Apple, iTunes. There's a there's a there's a website on the New Books Network. But if you just search on your device, almost good Catholics. That's what that I did actually. I, I just typed it in Google, and there was a whole bunch of things that popped up. I was like, "Hey, look at this!" Yeah, it's and got a little picture of a, a a dog in a stained glass window. The Dominican dog, you know the yeah the Dominicanis. Yeah. Well, we'll have to come back on here, chat some more, and uh, we we have a we also have a podcast coming out uh, that I was on with you, so we'll release that Missio Day here, and uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to the next time. Thank you, brother. Uh